until one of the guys that was working for us, he showed up in basically the state that Nick is in right now. There's a lot of there's a lot of people that are in that state. Apparently, apparently, from what I'm from, what I'm hearing, uh, most people in Germany just walk around perpetually hungover. That's <laughs> that's really the that vibe is, I'm getting. That is all of Europe and the UK because you can just drink <laughs> out in the open. I could be in the middle of the cobblestone street that cars are driving on, chugging beers, and no one would fucking care. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to the brand new high-class, high-quality episode of You Hate to See It. It's a beautiful day, and the reason is... It's 10.45 in the morning for 10 us. 10.45 in the morning, and at 5.45 in the afternoon for our guest, but Nick's not here, which means we have finally replaced him, and he doesn't know that we're recording at all. So... <laughs> Uh, my name is Adam. I'm Jeff. And uh, our guest here, uh, Jake, how you doing? <laughs> I cannot complain, gentlemen. It's a pleasure to be on the show. I'm excited to be on it. You hate to see it today. So what do I hate to see? <laughs> uh, Nick. Nick's really it you right would, now. <laughs> you, would, you would hate to see Nick. I think we all would hate to see Nick right now. <laughs> Fucker is um, so late. <laughs> So, uh, so Jake, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself before you get going here. Yeah, no worries. Uh, originally from South Louisiana, Lafayette, little town, really fun place though, just outside of New Iberia where they make Tabasco, close enough to New Orleans where you can still get drunk and get a ride home in a taxi if you had to. And then, uh, yeah, I went to college in Atlanta, Georgia, a little school called Oglethorpe. Nothing too great about it. It was a nice little liberal arts college where I got a double degree. Well, I studied European history and philosophy, never finished. Um, ended up going back to Louisiana, sitting around, working in a couple of restaurants, a couple of bars. Wasn't really happy with my life. And I uh, met a girl who was from London. I thought, oh man, she is something. So she's like, I'm going back home. And I was like, I'm coming with you. And so I ended up packing a bag and I went to go visit her in London, met her boyfriend. In <laughs> a couple of months in London, which was uneventful. And not as cool as I thought it would be, but I still loved Europe and I still love European history because that was what I focused on in college when I was studying well history. So I went back home and I went to my mom. I was like, mom, this sucks. I fucking hate restaurant work. I don't like it. They're mean to me. They made me do drugs. And um, <laughs> mom basically helped me out and said, you know, why don't you work for the American military? You can clean yourself up, take care of some of those track lines. And um, get a job working in a little town called Garmisch Partenkirchen, Germany. She helped me get the job, which was awesome. I think mainly she just didn't want me to be around sleeping on her couch anymore. So she didn't I want you in the same country. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's love. So I got on a plane, went to Europe, man. I ended up in Garmisch Partenkirchen. I worked for the American military for a year and a half. Uh, I eventually started running one of their dining rooms at one of their recreation facilities, but I wasn't getting paid anything. 
Cool thing about the American military, their uh, recreation departments like Armed Forces Recre Recreation Centers Europe and DOD and all that kind of stuff, our military welfare and recreation is they can get you anywhere in the world. So if anybody out there is looking for a crazy job, go check out govjobs.com or .org or dot whatever the hell it is and uh, apply for a few, you might get lucky, but don't make it a career choice because most of those people burn out young. What you do is use them to get you where you want to be. In my case, Garmisch Partenkirchen in Germany and then start traveling, which is what I did, man. I was, I got that job done. I was there for about a year and then I started, hopped on a train. I was in Italy. I did seasonal work, working in Italy and Austria. So in Italy, I'd work the summers in a place called Bibiani, where I'd make drinks on a beach, which is as cool as you can imagine. Literally as cool as you can imagine. Um, yeah, I had to wear really tight underwear. And then uh, the winters, I worked in a place called Ishkol, which I don't know if you guys are following the whole COVID outbreak thing last year, but Ishkol is where they had like the big outbreak of COVID in the Alps and closed down every ski resort after that happened. Uh, but it's a really hella cool town, great skiing right on the border of Switzerland and Austria and loved it. And then I went to Holland for a while, which, um, yeah, I lost a few brain cells there and then came back to Garmisch Partenkirchen. And I kind of kept traveling around, but Garmisch, this little town, man, it was home. You know, I just eventually settled here and never left. I've been here now for all, all together in Europe, 22 years. And I've been here for about 16 of those. Got married, got two kids. I've owned, uh, I own right now three businesses. Yes, none of them make any money. So don't think I'm cool. But uh, I've got two tour guide agencies and one startup, which is called Deary Dari where we have a platform where chefs teach live interactive cooking experiences to people around the world. And yeah, that's what I do, man. Got two daughters and a poodle, as I was talking about earlier. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, so this week, uh, I am drinking. Uh, I got Smirnoff pink lemonade mixed with Sprite. Is this in honor of um, Pride weekend or something? No, I just, I like pink lemonade vodkas. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to judge. You could. It would be accepted. Uh, I'm hungover as fuck. So I'm drinking Bud Light, aka water. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> AK water. Well, I am drinking a very nice Tribbiano B.O. white wine. Nice and chilled. Um, I'll probably polish that off. Um, I would normally be drinking beer. Living in Bavaria, all we drink is beer. But I polished off an entire rack of beer here um, two nights ago. And I just haven't gotten to the store to replace it. So I'm drinking wine right now. That should not just grow on trees out in the backyard then? It kind of does. Like I could probably <laughs> find some. It's like an Easter egg hunt. If I just went around, we have a little, literally one of these little mountain streams like Bud Light uses to advertise with. Yeah. One of those, like across the street from my house. And I, it's very common to walk by there and see a rack of beer just sitting in the stream. And so you can use, you know, like put three euros in coins just next to the rack and take a beer out of the stream and walk away. So, yeah. You guys know what a rack of beer is, right? Yeah, I'll show you six pack. No, we don't like six pack here. Is it a twelve pack? Go for a rack. Oh, okay. So <laughs> this is polliner. 
a classic Bavarian beer. It's um, one of the six major breweries of the city of Munich. In Munich, you have the big six, is what they're called. Augustiner, Lobenbrau, Spaten, Hofbrau, Pauliner, and Hackershore. Those are six breweries allowed to sell beer at the Oktoberfest. It makes them the wealthiest breweries in all of Germany. Pauliner was originally a monastic brewery. They were Italian monks. During a conflict in Lombardia, Northern Italy, they're like, oh, get away, get away, get away. They went to Munich. They got to Munich and they're like, oh, these people like beer. So <laughs> they started brewing beer like everybody else. The Pauliner monks famously started brewing the very first double Bach beer. You guys know the history of that? I do not. I don't do want to hear the history of it. Sure. sure. <laughs> All right. Well, Paul and her monks, they show up in the city of Munich and like, we're going to brew beer. Yeah. And uh, the beer they brewed sucked. Nobody drank it. So you're basically like going to the big leagues when you go to Munich and try and brew beer. So like Budweiser, if you tried to throw that into Munich, they would literally have riots and burn down your brewery. But Paul and her, man, they adapt it because they're monks. That's what they do. And they found out that the king had a, a love for a type of beer that was called Bach beer. It's very similar to like a mm, modern day, well, a Bach beer is a Bach beer. I don't know how to describe it. It's gonna be a kind of like a, it's a light beer, but with a dark caramel color that has a little more alcohol content and a little more flavor than a traditional, what we consider to be lager. And so they uh, found out that the place that had the Bach beer was a monastic brewery just outside of Bavaria. So the Pauliner monks, they made this pilgrimage to this town and they're like, teach us the ways. The monks of this one brewery like, fuck you. And so they stole the recipe. They ended up coming back to <laughs> Munich and they started brewing Bach beer. King loved it. I think his name was Wilhelm. It's pretty much what all the king's names are around here. Wilhelm or Ludwig. And Wilhelm the fourth, I believe, he basically says, this is some good shit you guys are brewing. Teach my brewer how to make it. And like, uh, no, 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 no. He's like, do you like Munich? Do you like where you're living? Because if you don't, I can kick you right the fuck out. And uh, so the monks are like, yeah, we love it here. So here's our recipe. Take it. I gave it to the king's brewer. And that is the birth of the Hofbrau House, the HB baby, the oldest continuously ran beer garden in the world. The Beer Hall in Munich, 1587, I believe. Yeah, well, the monks now they felt bad. So they're like, we got to find something to keep our market share. So they created double Bach beer. We call that the beer you drink to get divorced. It's awesome. So you mentioned, so at Oktoberfest, there's only the six allowed to sell beer. Yes, sir. So like, do you guys not have like smaller name beer brands or do those, does everyone just drink those six major brands then? Well, it's kind of interesting, Jeff. What happened is early 1900s, there was the invention of mechanical refrigeration, which actually occurred in the city of Munich at the Spaten Brewery. There was a Spaten Brewmeister there. He's like, dude, we need to be able to transport our goods further distances. And most beer around here still has live yeast in it. Uh, it gives it a nice flavor and it makes you fart a lot. So in order to keep that stuff from basically continuing to ferment and basically turn into either rotten milk or if the bacteria gets it, turns into like a vinegar or the other way around, I can never remember. What you have to do is keep it cold. So he creates these mechanical refrigeration devices they can put on trains so they can ship spot and beer further distances. And that's one of the foundations of modern day refrigeration. Not all of it. I mean, it's one of the foundations. In any case, when that happened, those, at the time it was eight breweries. You had Augustiner, oldest continuous ram brewery in the city of Munich. You had Spaten, Lovenbrau, Polliner, Hacker, 
and then there was Hacker and Shore. They were two separate breweries. And you had one more, which was called Schottenheimel. Uh, those breweries, they use the wealth of the Oktoberfest to go around and buy out all the mom and pop breweries. So, no, you basically found prior to 1910, every city in Bavaria had at least one brewery, more often than not had two or three. Like the little village I live in, Olstad, we have a population of 7,000 people and 12,000 cows. Yeah, but we still had two breweries, no shit. But what ends up happening is those big eight, they go around, they buy up all the mom and pop breweries. World War I breaks out, the economy goes to shit between 1918 all the way up to 1933, Germany's economy, as you can imagine. It was dumps. Thanks, the world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> between that, the depression, the war reparations, you know, and then eventually that a good guy with a little mustache. What happens is the big eight goes to six, Hacker and Shore combined, and Schottenheimel sold their brewery for parts, but kept their beer tent. In fact, their beer tent's the oldest beer tent of the Oktoberfest, and that's how the Oktoberfest begins is when the mayor taps the first keg in Schottenheimel. In fact, Einstein, you know that little guy with the weird hair? Yeah. He actually changed light bulbs in that tent when he was a kid. Oh, shit. Yeah. And then, so, then he uh, made a bomb. Yeah, he made a bomb. <laughs> well, in any case, what ends up happening is you now have six breweries and 33. Those six really begin to kind of capitalize on their wealth. They buy up every last little brewery they can find up until microbrewing kind of catches on in America. So we're looking at the 1990s. Uh, so when I first moved here in 1990, it was pretty much those six breweries. That's what you could drink. You could find a few regional breweries, but they were kind of far and few between. And then when microbrewing kind of picked up in America, it kind of became a thing. Everybody over here is like, oh, that's a good idea. And so you start to see kind of the rebirth grounded in some of those foundational original breweries of breweries today. So you've got like Garmisch, who had at one time three different breweries, and they now have a new brewery, Garbisher Brewery, based on the original recipe from the old brewery predating 1918. So, so they're coming back, man. They're coming back. You got some really nice microbreweries kind of popping up here. Small mom and pop breweries. Um, I like Keemsay, even though that's owned. Well, Keemsay is owned by the Wittelsbach family, the kings and queens of Bavaria. So it's got a lot of money behind it. See, here in America, we just have a lot of shit beer. Yeah. And those are the popular ones. <laughs> yeah, we got something called the. You ready for this? I'm gonna do it with a little bit of German accent here. The Reinheitsgebot. So the Reinheitsgebot. It's also known as the Purity Law that governs beer here. Originally written on April 23rd, 1516, in the city of Ingolstadt by, oh gosh, what was their names? Two guys. He was a Maximilian, and a Wilhelm IV. They were co-chairs, co-kings of Bavaria at the time. Those two guys, they basically amended their father's law, which was written in 14, 1467 or 1487. And that guy's name was Albert IV. And Albert, he was worried because there wasn't a lot of wheat because there was a bad harvest. So, and all the people were drinking wheat beer because it was, had a lot of calories. So you could drink instead of eat. Fuck yeah. So what ends up happening is wheat becomes pricey. All the grains become pricey and Albert gets a little bit nervous. So he outlaws the use of wheat and beer in 1487. Then his sons amend the law because wheat is actually one of the foundations of their coffers. That's how they make money is they tax wheat. And wheat is a, once again, plentiful. 
And like, we got to get wheat back into beer so we can make more money on it. So on April 23rd, 15, 16, they amend the law and they're like, okay, we're going to say beer can be made with water, malt, which is any grain that's, you know, you know fermented and cooked and, uh, and, uh, and then hops. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so that's the law, man. Uh, now there's one other ingredient in beer. As everybody knows, it's yeast, but they didn't write it into the law in April 23rd, 15, 16, because they didn't know what the fuck yeast was, man. They just thought that was God, his semen coming down from heaven and sprinkling its goodness all over the liquid wart and turning it into this alcoholic beverage that they consumed. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, so, I can't have yeast, so. <laughs> you can't have God's goodness? No. What's wrong with you, Adam? <laughs> I got, it gives me a rumbly tummy. <laughs> That's why he drinks pink lemonade vodka. That's why I drink vodka, Yeah. <laughs> So many jokes and puns that could be made right now with the rumbly, rumbly, rumbly. So, mm-hmm. is beer there like actually that filling? Depends on the type. So we we drink our beer. A lot of people drink their beer seasonally, and a lot of people drink their beer based on what they just like, or the time of day, even. So you have wheat beer, which is made with fifty percent wheat malt. Top fermented beer. It's got a fuck ton of calories in it. A lot of people like to drink that before lunch because it fills their belly up, keeps them going for the entire day. It's got a lot of calories. So wheat beer, yes, it's very filling. It's got a kind of a banana kind of taste to it. You probably, you got wheat beer over there. Yeah. Kathy yeah. Weitzen's and all that, the fruity things you put the orange slices in. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> okay. No, that's not how you drink it. You drink it from a wheat beer glass. It's fluted and you drink it like a man, you know? And um, so, yeah, wheat beer, that's traditionally got a lot of calories, but most people about one o'clock in the afternoon, they're going to switch to a lager. And we don't call it lager because that's an American creation. <laughs> Weirdos. Lager doesn't mean beer. Lager just means to store something on a shelf. So when we say, it brings us up to lager, it just means I'm going to put it on a shelf. I'm going to bring it to a shelf. That wasn't very good German, to be honest. Okay, here's a better. When I suck the, it brings my tough in my lagerraum. Okay, I'm gonna bring this pot and put it in a, a storage room. So lager just means to store something on the shelf. What we call lager here is Hellas, and Hellas just means it's gone head. It's really bright. It's light. It's a light beer. It's got a low caloric content. It's got a low, well, in our standards, low alcohol content. Usually anywhere between six and eight percent. Um, that's a low content for us. And then that's what you kind of move to in the afternoons. In the wintertime, we drink a lot of our dark beers. And so you'll get to the box. So a Bach beer is usually like in the fall. And then you'll do a Christmas Bach. And then during Lent, the period of Lent, that's when we drink the I beer. will be back. My dog is whining. First wrong with you? Continue on. Did you let the children ride it again? Um, but in any case, then we're going to drink uh, the double Bach beers during the period of Lent. And those have a massive amount of calories in them. And they're super strong. So I always like to say, you know, it's a great way to make babies. And if you're a monk, it's a great way to get less than monkly, you know, so it's good stuff. <laughs> um, so what kind of, uh, with, with your knowledge of beer that you have from being in Europe and out there, uh, are there any beers from america that you would say are even worth drinking i love american beer um i really do like i you know i like yingling when i go back to the states i drink yingling because i can drink it all day i like yingling a lot i do too you know it's basically 
what happens is so that pollen or that rack of beer i drink three of those i'm done three of those and i've got a nice little buzz i'm feeling good three whole racks <laughs> that's when i get in trouble that's when i beat the wife but uh no, oh she... god <laughs> <laughs> but no three beers it's you know you can yell at the children life is good <laughs> so if i hit three yinglings i can still operate heavy machinery you know i can still do open heart surgery if i had to so i much prefer a nice good tasting beverage than something that's got you know a nice little kick to it i'm old so i don't want to get hammered in three beers i want to have a nice little buzz mm -hmm. and yingling's got a nice flavor to it um also there's a lot of new microbreweries that are popping up in america that i have a nice respect for they're doing some really good work and you're starting to see some really interesting creations. And I can't think any off the top of my head other than like Cane Break in South Louisiana, which is really, really good. Um, a beat of beer is always nice. I'm gonna keep to the South because that's where I drink a lot. Um, what's the Stone Brewery? That's pretty nice too. They're doing some pretty good work. I, I met one of the, the head guys at Stone Brewery. He's a nice guy and his beer's all right. They actually opened one up just outside of Berlin. He wasn't brave enough to come to Bavaria, but they opened a stone brewery outside of Berlin and in Yankee world or in Northern Germany. So you mentioned that like people will drink wheat beer before lunch. Yes. Does that mean like, do, do people like, cause you guys, it seems like you guys just drink beer throughout the day. Like we were talking before we started recording about how Sundays people will literally have like beer from like 9am till one, go take a nap wake up drink a little bit more and then well like this is probably a dumb question to you but do people like on lunch like at work will they just have a beer and like everyone thinks it's just normal of course in fact most of your skilled laborers so anybody working construction they're based on it, it's the boss's final say but basically you can have up to three beers at lunch Jesus. and most of the people that drink beer at lunch will be in the banking industry because they get a two-hour lunch so they're going to go from 12 to 2 and they're going to come back at two o'clock after three beers and count your money. Lots of fun. That's wild. Uh, I love that. I recently found out that I am like 48% German. Yeah, right. And I <laughs> am in love with <laughs> this whole aspect. I'm like, I don't know. I found out and I was like, I'm just going to go learn as much as I can about German history now. <laughs> there's a lot of it, man. There's a lot of fun stuff in it. But when you talk about beer, you're talking about Germany. So basically beer itself comes out of the Fertile Crescent, goes all back to the Mesopotamians, the Egyptians, the Sumerians. In fact, the first laws ever written down were actually, they were sung because nobody could read and write. So they were sung in a song and verse and they were sung by a guy by the name of like Hemotep, I believe. And he dedicated 32 verses to his favorite types of beer. But what you think of as like modern day beer, like what we drink today, that really originates here in Bavaria. And that was those good old fashioned monks, man. They'd shave their head, molest a child and make a beer. It was great. And um, that kind of pops up pretty much what we think of as beer 1500s. You see prior to the 1500s beer. So I'll give you a quick kind of geographical description of what happens with beer. Fertile Crescent, Mesopotamia, the Euphrates, that whole area, you know, where now they're shooting a lot of people and tearing down stuff. Um, warm weather migrations from there, Greece, Rome, they cultivated grapes to make wine cold weather migrations going across like the the stands afghanistan kazakhstan through that mountainous region and then into europe those guys cultivated grains because they were easier to grow with a short growing season and they would make beer what we would think of as you know 
something similar to beer to get alcohol. And you need alcohol if you're going to have any kind of a city, because as a city begins to grow, that's how you can basically grow. Your city is going to be built around salt, fortification, and water. You need that water. I'm thirsty. Without water, you're screwed. There you water. go. Yeah, the guy who shit in the woods last night. But in any <laughs> case. I don't know. <laughs> There's a very good chance of that, actually. We laughed. I think I did. <laughs> But you need that water. But as you move away from the water source, that water is going to become tainted because that guy shat in it. And so as Nick shits in the water and Jeff pees in it, basically you drink it, Adam. It's not going to taste too good, and you're going to get. That's flavor. I think I got the. I think I got the worst under the steel. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's flavor. <laughs> Nick, Nick, you have no room to speak. You're, for you are either, and you are either an hour fifteen late, forty five late. Or 25 late, depending on when you want to talk about our first scheduled time or second scheduled time or when we started so, recording. I don't remember going to sleep last night. <laughs> I was told that I was uh, convinced to go to bed last night. Um, yeah, so that's how that went. Uh, I, my One of my last memories is um, drinking the last... Mm, one sixth of a bottle of bourbon in one go so that was my night uh yeah i shitting in the woods was 100 percent a possibility that did happen so yeah uh fuck you nick that's, you're very that's late. that's under, <laughs> that is understandable <laughs> we literally got you're late to the one recording with the guy that we thought you would I be know, doing right? <clears throat> all the talking uh, with uh, Nick's our big history guy. Yeah. He just read like 17 books that were all like 35 hours long on. I don't even know. Yeah, a lot of, I, uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, overseas. Yeah. History. So I've done world war one, world war two. Um, I did like a 36 hour audiobook on the Napoleonic wars, which are, that's amazing in and of itself. Um, I'm a big fan of the idea that the Napoleonic Wars were the first world war. Um, for the game changer. Yeah, it, 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 that was the war that was, <coughs> it was in the U S or it was in North America. It was in Europe. It was in Africa. It, it was in the near East. It, it was everywhere. Um, so yeah, I, that, yeah, I am, I am the nerd. Uh, I got, a book slated that I'm going to read that's like 30 hours long on the Holy Roman Empire. Um, oh, cool. I, I, Jeff's German. I'm fake Austrian. Uh, <laughs> so I'm, I did a DNA test also, and uh, I am Italian from that weird period where Italy was Austria. So <laughs> I'm, it, it's, I'm, I'm fake Austrian. Um, but, yeah so. so basically big parts of italy were part of austria until the end of yeah, world war one and that's end of world war II. when my my people left they so my people mm. left italy and austria left, left, left italy and austria when maximilian tried to conquer mexico and yeah, uh, had a horrible time doing it <laughs> and we got stuck there so yeah <laughs> well, that makes sense yeah yeah, no, basically the Italians, they, if you go, I ski a lot in Italy mm -hmm. and snowboard there a lot, and it's only an hour away from where I live. In fact, we're going in two weeks. But um, most of that region of Northern Italy above the 
what I call the Laga de Gata, the Lake Arda, kind of the, that border. Mm-hmm. Even going all the way down to Venice and Milan, they all speak German. Mm-hmm. And go in, into the Dolomites and ski the Zellaranda, which is one of the most famous ski areas in the freaking world. Highly recommend it. When you go into most of the bars, they still have photos of like, you know, Queen Margarita, and then they'll have a photo of like Maximilian von Joseph. You know, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, it so. it's they've heard they've heard it i've talked about it on the everything but yeah it's it's i'm a fake everything because i'm like fake mexican fake austrian um uh so yeah that's he's a fake he's a fake podcast host because he doesn't know how to show up on time yeah he's a fake human being because he doesn't he's a fake skinwalker because you can walk into the woods and find him just squatting shitting in the woods (laughs) I have not had this bad of a hangover in at least four weeks. All right, well, start start <laughs> drinking again. <laughs> Just <laughs> drinking. That was a way smaller time window than I was expecting. Right. I thought it was going to be like uh, since like college or like two no. years or something. Uh, nope, like four weeks. <laughs> I remember four weeks ago. I felt like this. It was worse than this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh my god <laughs> one of your businesses is you own like a what was it like a tra- not a travel agency but like a uh fuck what's that called tour guide service there it is tour guide service. <laughs> so do you i got just- one that's called you can imagine what one of them's called it's called uh bavarian beer vacations and so we take people to the october fest to the spring fest to the dark beer so when are we signing up for that like when, when I've been thinking yeah, of that right? so ever since he mentions this, I've been like, I kind of want to sign That's, up. This is go. a great idea. Yeah. And then my personal favorite though is we do the we do a three country ski tour where we ski in Austria, Italy, and Switzerland or Germany, depending on the best snow conditions. And we drink beer in every area and then go to every brewery. It's a lot of fun. When we're in Italy though, of course we have a little bit of wine, just kind of mix it up. That's one of my favorite trips. Oktoberfest though, yes. Oktoberfest, you can never go wrong with the the granddaddy of them all, the wedding of Ludwig the First to his wife Theresia Saxon von Hildenbergenhausen, which is a lot of fun. And on any given day, there's a million people on the fairgrounds. But the Oktoberfest, it can be a bit daunting, especially if you're a newbie. Well, um, if if we go because uh, I'm gluten intolerant, I'm just gonna wear a diaper the whole time. I, I would love that we go to we go to Germany and we're like, oh, we know how to drink, and we show up. And it's just like die yeah, by ten a.m. Like, oh, you think you know how to drink? Oh, you stupid <laughs> Americans! <laughs> let, let let us show you what drinking is. We're gonna have our own beer yeah. fest, like the that movie. Jake, have you ever seen that movie, Beer Fest? Yeah, Broken Lizard, great movie. Uh, <laughs> fucking, we we have a drinking game where anytime one of the main characters is drinking, we all drink as long as they drink for. That so, is about as bad as the greatest showman. It's that was awful. it's uh it's all fun and games until landfill falls into the vat of beer and is trying to <laughs> drink his way out of it, and we're all just there like, all right, get ready to start refilling, drink an entire glass, start pouring, and be like, how am I drinking while I'm pouring? This is terrible. <laughs> it's, oh my God. That's the, that is almost as bad as the greatest showman, except the greatest showman is shots. Yeah, the, have you seen the Greatest Showman? I don't think so. What's that one about? It's the Hugh Jackman and Zac uh, Efron. Efron about uh, the Barnum and Bailey Circus. 
No. It's a musical. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a musical, and a there's one scene in it where, in one musical number, so about three minutes, <sighs> they each take thirteen shots of whiskey. Good lord! So we have tried to do it of and succeeded. Like, I yeah. succeeded at least. Yeah, I got uh, to eat. <laughs> well, I don't drink whiskey, so I was doing vodka, and it was getting rough for me too. And I was, nah, I'm done after like eight or nine. Definitely yeah. stupid. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got the full thirteen, and that was the first thing. Like that was how we started drinking. Yeah. Well, and that yeah, was like, also we'll that was also how I stopped like, time drinking. To, yeah, we pull up the music. We be like, all right, it's time to do the Greatest Showman challenge. And listen to the listen to the music video and take shots with them, <laughs> and it's not fun. They're, they're so not spaced part. That's the worst part. <laughs> Especially at the yeah, end. It's... The end is like five shots, just boom, boom. Yeah. <laughs> I've got the greatest respect for Barnum and Bailey, man. So a lot of the money that Barnum used to kind of get their circus started, a lot of it actually came from Europe. And one of the biggest oh. donations came from a ducal lord by the name of Maximilian von Wittelsbach. <laughs> And Max had a soft spot for the mistress of his uncle, a man by the name of Ludwig I, the same guy who the Oktoberfest has started, revolves around. See, Ludwig I, he was his king of Bavaria, and he was just a fucking lech. I love him. He loved horses and women, not in that order. Sometimes he'd mix it up. But in any case, um, Ludwig I, he had his mistress. He also had a beautiful wife who was a damn good Christian. But uh, he had this mistress by the name of Lola Montez, which is where you get the Barry Manilow song, what Lola wants Lola gets. There's also a heavy metal song about her. I can't remember what it's called though. But Lola, she ends up getting kicked out of Bavaria. She ends up going to Switzerland. From Switzerland, she goes to England. From England, she eventually makes her way to America. When she gets to America, she becomes a born again Christian where the guy who is like her, um, her savior, basically this priest kind of has this harem in California. He ends up like whipping her daily and, you know, I give you the body of Christ, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, eventually Lola, she makes her way to New York where Barnum, uh, on the behest of, of Maximilian, the Duke of Bavaria, gives her a job. And she, that was her last job. Lola Monta, she was working for the circus where you could come and kiss the hand that it once held royalty. <laughs> Lola Montez. So yeah, I got a lot of respect for Barnum and Bailey. Those it's, guys are pretty yeah. badass. I mean, awful human beings, to be <laughs> completely honest, to animals and the people. Uh, I'm trying to think, oh, what was her name? The reason Barnum made all his money, like, in Europe was that one singer. Uh, oh. He, ha- he like, sponsored oh. the singer. Which I can, I can tell. Uh, I'll, I'll just movie. look up the movie. I can tell I you. I can think of the song. Yeah. I just can't think of. Uh, I can that uh, for you real quick. Because, yeah, he sponsored this one, like, opera singer and traveled uh, Europe, and, th- and that's how he made all of his money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I he started to kill blue whales and torture elephants. I didn't know he did that. Like, <laughs> that's wild. I didn't know that was yeah. a thing. Yeah, he, he kept, he, he kept a, if you thought SeaWorld was bad, he kept a blue whale in a tiny little tank and uh ended up killing it because it was it couldn't i don't even think it could turn around like yeah, it wasn't that small of a tip. helped him do all that it was pretty great. jenny lynn no yeah jenny lynn all right okay so i have two questions that kind of go together so because we're american can you maybe explain like 
how Oktoberfest started? Because you've kind of like alluded to it a couple times. But can you say, like, tell us how it started and then what happens at, at Oktoberfest now? Like, are, is it like a festival with like games and like little like huts <laughs> of different things to do or there's actually like, no what is it now involved at all it's everyone's it's actually a great no <laughs> it's actually it's actually a front by the cartel it's actually just cocaine yeah. <laughs> give you the cocaine octoberfest started because of a prince who was about to become a king his name was ludwig the first ludwig was the son of maximilian von joseph ludwig hated the fact that his dad had aligned the various interests with napoleon during the first three conflicts of the napoleonic war and so when Napoleon was looking for a bride, because he realized he needed to marry somebody of noble birth, he had on the short list this girl by the name of Theresia Saxon von Heldenbergenhausen, who Ludwig basically started fingering one night at a dinner party to make sure. <laughs> as, all great, as all great relationships create. Sorry. <laughs> Wait till we talk about Chris Angel. <laughs> when you're at it. There's nothing, there's nothing quite like being at the Applebee's, <laughs> your fourth $1 margarita, and you're just fingering your date finger blasting the waitress <laughs> here's my magic trick everyone but gets finger blasted basically he ends up deciding that he's going to marry her now she really didn't like him she was i wasn't joking she was actually a very good christian the other thing was a joke she was a very decent person napoleon ends up going for of course the princess the Habsburg princess instead of her but to piss off napoleon during his courting rituals ludwig does begin to show interest in her and eventually forces the issue and marries and basically decides he's going to marry her. Theresia Saxon von Heldenbergen, Sax von Heldenbergenhausen. I'll never, I'll and, never uh, not be great listening to. <laughs> <laughs> so, Put that on the loop. Yeah. <laughs> it's an hour-long loop of him saying yeah. that. <laughs> so Theresia and Ludwig, when they decided to get married, um, you might recall earlier I said Ludwig loved horses and women. He had invested in a hat um, when he basically found Prince, even while his father was still king. Ludwig and the Napoleonic Wars were kind of winding down. He invested heavily in cavalry, but basically cavalry was pretty much becoming outdated. The Prussians were starting to bore their weapons and began to mechanize their army. So, you know, basically got a guy on a horse. What do you do? Shoot him off the fucking horse. So, you know, he just thought horses were pretty. So he's like, I'm going to get me some horses. So he did. And uh, he liked horse races. Like, I like watching the horses. So Ludwig, uh, his wedding it was going to be a three-day wedding, and Ludwig actually did talk like that because Ludwig had a lisp, and he had a oh, no. little thing that came out of the top of his head. It was like this little drippy thing, real fucking gross. But Ludwig <laughs> um, decides he's going to have a three-day wedding. First day he wants to get married, and the second day he's going to have a big party. The third day he's going to have a horse race. And the horse race, the lisp. And, Sounds uh, like first day. <laughs> first day wedding goes really fucking good but his wife is very unhappy and he's like she's just worried about the fingering but the reality was she was not she was actually upset because her brother had not been at the wedding so the second day ludwig's having the big party he's like we gonna drink that wine mighty fine and uh he's having a good time everybody's having a good fine good time but Teresa is not she's sitting in the corner like this shit sucks <laughs> So eventually Ludwig's like, baby, what's wrong? What's wrong, baby? And, Is it uh, the horses? Goes, <laughs> her side, like, you need a slap on the ass like my horse? And um, she's like, no, my brother, he didn't show up. I'm pissed. He missed the wedding. And so Ludwig's like, I can fix that shit. And so he then goes to the court heralds, like, where's the brother? Where's the brother? Nobody knows. And then guess who just bursts through the door? Boom. Here's the brother. And he runs to his sister's like, I'm so sorry, I 
I miss your wedding. I was on a pilgrimage. I was on the St. Jacob's wagon. Basically, Luca's like, you son of a bitch. So she's slapping him. Everybody's angry. And Luca's like, goes back to the heralds. And he tells the heralds, kick everybody out of the party. He kicks everybody out of the fucking party. And he brings back the immediate family and a priest. And he has another wedding. So the brother can bear witness to the sister getting married. I honestly thought you were going to say that they had him killed on sight. I, I, I was like, make the situation worse. I, I, yeah, Ludwig's man. And then at the end of that, Ludwig's like, here comes the finger. So basically, what ends up happening next is the next day, because the brother missed the party, Ludwig's like, we're going to have another party. I had some good fingering, so we're going to have another party. And he has another party. Two days later, because the weather was bad, he eventually has a horse race. So the whole wedding ended up being one, two, three, four, five days, right? Jesus. Every year on the anniversary of his wedding, Ludwig would have a five-day horse race and party because he loved the horses and he wanted to celebrate, of course, his wedding to Theresia Sachs von Hellenbergenhausen. And um, yeah, so he would have a five-day party. Ludwig, though, middle of the 1800s, if you've got any history in your back of your noggin, you might remember that little guy named Karl Marx. He shows up on the scene. He's like, I got a cool beard like Jeff. My beard better than Jeff beard. And I am going to... I did just recently trim my beard. So this is sculpted. Rather short. Yeah, this is rather short for me. It's very very sculpted. It's it's nice. (laughs) So Karl Marx is changing the world. And Ludwig gets caught up in that. It doesn't help that he's got this mistress who's a burlesque dancer who basically... He also fingers. Yeah. Well, she starts having orgies with college students. It's amazing how much of the world is shaped by fingering. It yes. really is oh, yeah. astonishing. <laughs> it is. Ludwig gets kicked out of power. And when he is asked to abdicate his throne, his son, Maximum II, takes over in the city of Munich, who was paying for this big five-day party. is like, that shit expensive, especially for a deposed king. Fuck that. <clears throat> they quit. But Bavarians, they love parties, man. And so when the, the city decides to end the party, they kept coming. And so it kind of became like this fall festival. They all would show up in October and they would basically get together and they would talk about their sheep, how happy they were and how high the boots have to be to put on the back of the sheep's feet so that you can keep them from moving. And then they would talk about, you know, the cows and how good the cows look and they would dress them up, which is true. They still do this. They dress their cows up and um, they would drink and have a good time. The city eventually got it under control. And that's kind of the foundation of the Oktoberfest. So basically what happens during the time of Ludwig, they would drink wine, sit on a hill, watch a horse race. When Ludwig gets deposed, the horse race kind of ended. The rednecks, the farmers showed up. They drank beer, talked about the sheep. And once beer got involved and the Munich got involved, that's when you have the foundations of the big six. The six major breweries, Nick, you missed that. The six major breweries that kind of control the Oktoberfest now. Augustiner, Loganbrau, Spaden, Hofbrau, Polliner, and Hacker Shore. Those guys show up and like, okay, we're going to build tents because the motherfucking sucks. Big ass tents. And so they build these huge tents. And um, yeah, each tent can hold anywhere from seven to 11,000 people. I think the smallest Jesus. is 6,000. The largest is 11,000. They're like each a city. You walk inside of a tent, it's like a fucking city. And then you've got, oh God, Nick, I can't remember. I want to say there's don't quote me on this. Somebody Google it, but I think there's 14 major tents. I could probably name them all. There's Marstall, there's Hofbrau, there's Augustiner, there's Schottenheimel, there's Spaten, there's the Lovenbrau, there's the Polliner. 
you have Nymphenburg, you then have Kafer, um, and then you got the Fisher Frony. There's, there's a bunch. And each tent is massive and they're their own little city. And then around it, Jeff, is all these amusement rides. So Ooh. you can literally go into a beer tent, get fucking hammered, then roll out and jump on like the giant roller coaster doop de doop de doop. So awful. <laughs> that sounds and, uh, horrendous. Watch as your spew just sits yeah, there in front of your oh <laughs> down. <laughs> all right. I, sounds like an easy way to get vomited yeah, it on. Sounds like a great way to make <laughs> room for more alcohol. Oh my but God. one of my favorite parts about it is there's very little little liability. Ugh, I can't say that right. Very little liability laws here. And so you have some really fun rides. Like there's what's called the old slide, which is nothing but a wooden slide. It's fucking child's play. But That's the one where we just launch you into hungry. It's just a cannibal that just launches someone into hungry. <laughs> kind of is, Nick, because the beginnings of the wooden slide, it's, it's not the slide. You don't pay the three bucks or five bucks, whatever it is, to ride the slide. You pay that to get on this conveyor belt that's going 100 miles an hour. <laughs> brings you to the top of the slide and so you there's like a crowd there's like a cocktail bar right there so everybody just gets a cocktail adam be drinking his pink vodka They're like this is some funny shit and then basically people are just that is what, that is what he sounds like when he drinks pink whitney he's like i wasn't batman but basically you know <laughs> these things are just flying people are flying off of this thing at 100 miles an hour it's like you'll see my batman shit and um <laughs> hilarious it is so much fun and then they have another one because every girl there adam adam focus every girl there is <laughs> nick's the single one Nick, get on this. <laughs> every well this is for you adam every girl there is wearing a dirndl and so there's this one ride where they shoot the compressed air up the girls dresses so you have all the single guys and all the guys who you know are married but not really married or not really having a relationship and they're just kind of standing there going very lecherous like i'm gonna film this in high definition <laughs> So they so Marilyn I, Monroe, everyone. Oh so who that was? Yeah, iconic picture. Yeah. God. Yeah. So I have this one friend of mine. She is absolutely crazy, and so she wore a strap on one time, and then went on that ride. <laughs> That's hilarious. Hilarious. Everyone Nick, of those guys think, like. <laughs> Nick, you think that's hilarious? I need Jake. I need you to tell him the story about your friend in Las Vegas. Oh no! <laughs> he told us this story before we started recording, and I told him he has to tell it again because oh I think this is great. All right, so I have a high school friend, and we've been friends forever. And um, that's always how every he, good story starts. <laughs> I, I know this guy. It wasn't me. I I know this guy though. I'm not going to use any real names here, so I'm just going to call him Nick because, you know, you look, he kind of looks uh, like he checks out. But in case, <laughs> like Nick, a piece of shit. Um, Nick, he wanted to be in film, man. He knew every single line of Aliens, every single great movie. He could quote him. He was great for trivia night. And then he went to, he went to film school in, um, in Australia, met some Australian princess, that kind of thing. <laughs> Comes back. He's like, I am going to be the shiz Nick, right? And so he brings his... Um, Australian princess they go to Hollywood he's living on people's couches and he gets a job as a PA and he thinks he's fucking God's gift to film and he found out very quickly he wasn't he starts doing PA work and it's basically as Adam can tell you he does a lot of fingering as well so basically it's That's just you walk around with celebrities with your fingers out it's like here just, two or three I, I got them as you're talking to them getting their genitalia this is, this is for real celebrities this is this is for their stunt <laughs> you know you gotta get it done 
And so what ends up happening is my friend Nick one day though, he gets the job of his life. He gets the job as a PA and he's like on a short list to move up. I don't know what the fuck moving up from a PA is. I don't know, janitor. You tell me, Adam. <laughs> but in any case, he basically thinks he's going to be the next cat's meow. And he's on this TV show for some, I want to say musician, but it's a magician. And it's some guy who dresses like a goth princess, Chris Angel. Is that what his name is? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Chris Angel. And so Chris had this TV show for a while and it was in Vegas. And my friend Nick is in Vegas on Chris Angel's show and he's doing really well. He's in the penthouse suite. Life is fucking good. And I used to go home every year for Christmas. And so I go home one year back to South Louisiana. Friend Nick flew in from Vegas and I flew in from Germany. And so Nick and I are drinking in downtown Lafayette. We're having a good time. And who walks in the door? But you know that girl in high school that every fucking guy had a crush on? Mm-hmm. Like every guy jerked off to? <laughs> just, you know, doing things to her when they're sitting on the toilet trying to push their penis underneath the, the lid? Mm-hmm. Um, that was the girl that walks in the room. She walks into the bar and Nick and I both are like, oh my fucking God. And so Nick rolls up on her. He's like, I- I'm working for Chris Angel, you know? And I don't know how he did it, but he pulled her. He pulled her that night. Two days later, I see him. I'm like, Nick, how's it going, man? He said, oh man, I'm-, I'm in love, dude. She's fucking amazing. This is the girl of my dreams. I'm like, well, yeah, I can imagine you falling in love with that. She's, she's, um, she's, she's a tasty treat. <laughs> like dairy queen, man. She's, she's definitely a dairy queen. So, um, in more ways than one too because but in any case what ends up happening is a couple of months later nick is back in vegas he's working he's having a good time and he's going back and forth with his tasty treat and she's like hey i want to come out to vegas to visit he's like yeah come on so he brings her out he wines and dines her he's 69s her he's having the time of his life with her in vegas showing her how cool of a dude he is as the next step up from a janitor. And uh, what ends up happening is- Wait, I thought janitor was the step up from PA. (laughs) I don't wanna wanna offend Adam too much. (laughs) What ends up happening is is basically, he has to go to work one day, goes to work, they're filming that night. He comes back, she's not there. Next morning, he's a little bit worried, texts her, everything else. He has to go give script notes to his boss, Chris Angel. Knocks on the hotel door of Chris Angel, and guess who's there? Guess who opens the fucking door? His Dairy Queen, his tasty treat, man. His Southern Belle is standing right there in Chris Angel's room. Basically, Chris Angel performed a magic trick. <laughs> yeah, so what ends up happening to a man is he, he, he quit. He quit right then and there. He went back to Los Angeles. He got a job working from, for some reality TV show which lasts like two weeks. And then he walked out on that and he was blackballed. He was blacklisted. He ended up back in South Louisiana um, where he got a job working for used car dealerships, basically doing film snippets of their used cars. But there is a, there is a rainbow. There's a pot of gold at the end of rain of the rainbow, Nick. Everybody says they have that one friend who actually invested in Bitcoin when Bitcoin started. That That is that one friend. Uh, he has his own Bitcoin, which he likes to wear a T-shirt saying, I own a Bitcoin. And uh, yeah, he wears it to bars still because he's single. He still hasn't found his dairy coin. I again. have a Bitcoin. <laughs> how have you, hey, that's still like $50,000. Yeah, have you not so. sold that yet? <laughs> 
Waiting for and his kids uh, to a million. he just told me, I, I talked to him actually a couple of months ago and he's like, yeah, I'm going to retire when he's 50. So five years. So that's my Chris Angel story. So he I was waiting. Had sex the to get that. So he talked about so, that. So and Nick I like to and think Chris Angel are Eskimo brothers. Hell yeah. <laughs> so I like to think that Chris Angel is just walking around Hollywood, magic tricking, fingering people's <laughs> significant others out of their hands. Oh, how'd that get there? <laughs> hey, you want to see a magic trick? Ooh. <laughs> My penis has disappeared. <laughs> I feel like he, Chris Angel is like uh, like Jim Carrey and Bruce Almighty, where he's just staring at the bathroom door, pleasurable, pleasurable, pleasurable. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Jennifer, Jennifer Aniston's oh. fucking meeting God twice. Like, oh my God. Fucking Chris. So you, you told us where you live because it, you kept like gravitating to it, basically. You said you always came back. Mm-hmm. If you were, because you, you know, help people with their trips to Europe. Where are places that you would say people need to go that aren't really like the big name places in Europe? Like most people want to go to Dublin or Berlin or. You know, there's a lot of them. That's the problem. I'm going to just simply say the ones that are around here, because that's what I know best. So around here, if you have time, go see Salzburg. Salzburg is one of the most badass cities on the planet. And every person over 50 years of age goes there because that's where they filmed The Sound of Music. <laughs> you don't have to fuck with those people. You want to go see the actors. That's a good it fucking a good movie, movie, though. It's a good movie. <laughs> it's a musical, so yeah, that's I'm all I'm going to talk to Jeff now. <laughs> Adam, Nick, I'm not talking to you motherfuckers anymore. Jeff, okay, Salzburg <laughs> is a badass city. It, it's really cool because you've got the guy who started Red Bull, he lives there. He keeps all of his toys in an airplane. Uh, does he look like the guy who started Red Bull? Like, yes, does he? He, does. Think, he, he does. looks like what all you right. would assume. Yes, like, the, like his underwear does not fit. It's like, his underwear does it's not. like the bang energy guy. <laughs> the bang CEO yeah. who looks like he he, he mainlines it out of an IV yeah. three times a day. Yeah. <laughs> he drives around and uh, he's got like fourteen uh, cars right now. He drives around. All of them are like high end sports cars. And he keeps all of his toys, like his airplanes and cars and everything else, helicopters in a, a hangar. Like he got mad at the airport in Salzburg because they wouldn't let him land his planes because they were too loud. So he bought most of the airport. I was say he just built a new airport. See that? See see that runway? That's mine. You guys <laughs> can land over there in the fucking water. Exactly. Seriously, I'm gonna pull mine out and we're gonna stir a fucking fire together and see who's is bigger. Like he's like <sighs> like he probably did last night, Nick. But in any case. Um, he has got is some cool toys. <laughs> he's got some really cool toys. And not only that, he's a foodie. So every month he invites Michelin ranked restaurants, uh, re- chefs to come cook at his restaurant, which is the top of the airplane hangar. And so I'm talking like everybody that you see on any Netflix show, because he watches the same shows, he just calls them. He's like, hey, come cook for me in Salzburg for a month and I'll pay you, I don't know, a million bucks. And they're like, all right, I'm there. Bye. And so it's amazing food, and he opens it to the public. So you can go for lunch, uh, which is super cheap. I like to think he's just sitting there watching, like, Iron Chef, and he's like, that guy won. Hey, you, come here. (laughs) He does. He really does. It's kind of crazy. And as a matter of fact, I know one of the guys who used to work there, and he's like, yeah, he would just make phone calls. He's like, all right, I'm going to call the – he'd call his person, his publicist or whatever, and say, I want that chef here this month, and they would make it work. It's that much power, you know, that much what money he sells do. fucking Red Bull. 
the Which fucking shit. mini cans of that are like three fucking dollars. That man's raking in money. No, oh Red God. Bull's not even. And he bought it from some company in China. Isn't that crazy? Red Bull's not even good. <laughs> it's like it's not. Very it's not. It's not. <laughs> really so, kind of caught on here because everybody thought he put actual bull semen in the drink, and so everybody's like, <gasps> "We gotta drink that shit. Mm, it's good when it touches the lips." <laughs> Wasn't that like the whole thing? Was like people thought like was it like taurine or something that was in it? Yeah. They thought that was like a word for like bull semen. Yes, yes, that was why it caught on in Europe, and then it just grew. And of course, he did nothing to disparage those rumors. Like, yeah, true. Totally freaking true. Hold on. Yeah, uh, I actually Hold have seven hundred people who just jack off bulls every morning. So, it's like I live in the Alps. We got a lot of bulls. What do you want? The uh, so Salzburg. To answer your question, Jeff, cool ass city. Innsbruck, bad ass city. Uh, Garmisch Partenkirchen, where I live cool as shit city yeah you said it's like seven thousand people but twelve thousand cows <laughs> that's okay whoa, 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 whoa. now i live outside of garmish I, so there's live. way more cows so i live kind of like you i live in a suburb of garmish part and kirken i live in a small village called Orstadt. uh garmish part and kirken has a shit more cows shit ton more cows yeah um but Garmisch has everything, man. We had the 2011 World Cup of skiing. We had the G7 Summit with Obama and Merkel. We had the 1936 Winter Olympics with the old guy that went like this a lot. And then we did, um, Jesus, we got what's coming up. We have the BMW Motorcycle Rally every year. We got all kinds of crazy stuff. So it's a really cool little town that's happening. We got the tallest mountain in Germany in our backyard. The only thing we don't have is Opry Ski. So we don't have a lot of partying, late night partying because the town is inhabited by rich old people so there's just a lot of you know we're gonna drink till two and then you know jesus fucking <laughs> jeff and i would end up jeff and i would go find one of these places i We'd end up so, in a reason, <laughs> just so a huge re- a huge reason like i want to go to europe so bad but a reason that i don't want to is because i know i'll end up drunk and like <laughs> Here, I'll end up drunk and I'll wake up in a cornfield. There, I'd wake up in a fucking pasture and I wouldn't know anywhere of where the fuck I need in to a, go. In a different country. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least here, if you wake up in a different state, you're fine. But I can tell you a story about that if you're interested. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's already. If it involves falling asleep in a pasture. So basically, down. I had this guy and he, let's call him a friend, hooked up with some random girl who was from Sweden. And she was Swedish, so of course she's smoking hot. If you guys ever meet a Swedish girl, ask her to say the words, write this down, sugar cookie. (laughs) Seriously, you have a Swedish girl anywhere around you, just simply ask her, please tell me how to say sugar cookie in Swedish. Okay, I'm not going to ruin it. All right, so this guy, (laughs) he basically hooked up the Swedish girl. They were having a great time at the bar in Garmisch Park in Kirken. And then he jumps in a car with her, with a couple other people. Now, he is very close to the alcohol content of what Nick had last night. And so he passed out in the car. Wakes up in some random place. Yeah, he wakes up in some random place. She leads him into some random building. And they end up, you know, in some random bed, hers. And they're hooking up, having a good time. And he, you know, snorts a little cocaine. A lot of the fingering from Chris Angel going on over there. <laughs> Chris Angel it. shows That's up randomly. <laughs> Let's see my magic chick. I can shit in the woods. But uh, basically, <laughs> uh, you know, having a good time. And she realizes that very similar to probably what Nick was last night, you know, he was having some um, 
issues. Some up issues. Nick yeah. never would have been in the situation to find out if he was uh, going to have issues. No, that's normal. <laughs> that's like now, actually. Also, that Nick's had erectile dysfunction forever. <laughs> so as any good Swedish woman would do, she's going to go down and see if she can help the situation. How considerate. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That actually, from what I know, I feel like that's the exact opposite of what the Swiss do in any situation. <laughs> <laughs> Swedish. Swedish. Not Swedish. Swedish. So what ends up happening, she's going down on him and things are going, you know, somewhat well. And my friend, he's enjoying things. He's he's looking up at the, he's starting to wake up a little bit, front and bottom, top and bottom, so to speak. And uh, suddenly though, he feels something quite warm. Her mouth. Hopefully. Urinating. He's thinking, no, he's thinking, you know, gag reflex. He's thinking he's got something, you know, similar to Please be a cow. Please, you know be the a guy cow. from Red Bull. But uh, he's like, no, something, something's really kind of warm and wet. So he takes his hand, he reaches down. It's pretty dark in the room, so he's kind of feeling it. Goes over and he flips on the light, little lamp. He looks at his fingers, and there's blood. So now he's freaking out because he just touched blood in his own crotch. So he takes the girl's head and he goes, Foonk! and he's a big guy. He's a jujitsu boxer, and seriously, and he takes her head and just throws her off the bed. I mean, she's like this naked Swedish girl, you know, doing a backwards frog jump. And um, Joe Rogan's dream. (laughs) He immediately goes down to check his goods. He's like, oh my God, oh my God, is everything okay, right? He's checking himself, there's blood everywhere, literally. So he's thinking, oh my God, she freaking Jeffrey Dahmer'd me, but- uh, Where's the funny part of the story? I'm concerned. He looks down at her because he's not finding anything wrong and he sees her running to the bathroom doing this. Oh, she's a bloody fucking... Oh, my God. <laughs> she runs to the bathroom. He grabs her shirt and cleans himself off. Gets <laughs> back into the bed. Curls up like, you know, a little baby. sucking <laughs> his own thumb. She comes running in. He's like, I'm so sorry. I just had a bloody nose. He goes, yeah, I noticed... She's like, you want to keep going? He's like, no, 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 no. She goes to sleep. He then decides he needs to pull a coyote. You know, he's like trying to cut his own arm off. He's trying to get out of there. He gets out and he realizes he's not in uh, Kansas anymore. He's not <laughs> American. They drove him all the way across the border into Tirol, into the mountainous region of Austria. He was in some small village two and a half hours away. <laughs> and that village did not have a train station did not have a taxi did not even have a restaurant that was there wasn't there was a bakery and so he calls me he's like can you come pick me up i'm like not a chance in the fucking world dude i still don't know how he got home or if he got home to be honest hey, i haven't talked to him since <laughs> <laughs> i actually hate to tell you guys but i don't know how the story ends <laughs> that's god that that would happen again that would happen jeff and i go drinking all right hey we learned german we're, we're good wake up the next morning why is everyone speaking french <laughs> <What's happened? laughs> i didn't prepare for these words <laughs> uh, all right so so i i actually have a question i have one I'm, wow yeah all right one more question one, one more so, question all right, so like like I said, I'm I'm fake Austrian, but I'm gonna pretend I'm Austrian. Why does Austria have to bathe the way it is when it is essentially German? The way it is. Why does Austria have to be what? 
Why does it have to behave the way it does when it is so, actually Germany? Well, as Nick, you're going to find out Austria was Germany. Austria was the foundations of Germany. Everything revolved mm -hmm. around the Habsburgs. The Holy Roman Empire, born in 800s, basically in the 1500s gets taken over by the Habsburgs and they controlled it from 1500s all the way until 1918. Well, that's not true, until the Napoleonic Wars. So the Habsburgs were the powerhouse. They were the ones who were like, we're the badasses. We have the biggest cock on the block. And then so it got small from inbreeding, right? And they ruled. they ruled from their seat of power either in Prussia, uh, in, um, fuck, what's that? No, not Prussia, um, Prague. Their seat of power in Prague or from Vienna. And when they moved to Vienna, everything revolved around Vienna. Mm. I mean, literally everything revolved around Vienna. So when you think of Germany, there was no Germany, it was Vienna. If you wanted to know what the Germanic speaking people thought of as their capital. Didn't, wasn't Vienna, was Vienna the last stand for like the, or like the Europe's last stand against the Mongols? Like was, was that the Mongols or was that, it was the Ottomans, all right. The Ottoman Empire is the three different, three separate times, three separate times. In fact, the most famous being when the Ottomans tunneled underneath the walls of Vienna trying to invade the city and the bakers, the bakeries, they were the bakers who they were awake so early in the morning, heard them tunneling underneath, armed themselves and saved the city. And that's why the Holy Roman Emperor gave the bakeries in Europe, still to this day, the symbol of lions, which they will put on every single bakery because they stood strong against the Ottomans. Uh, and that's the great war. So the great war between the, the Ottomans and the Holy Roman Empire dates all the way back to when the Catholics decide, let's take back the Holy Land. That was some that stupid now. shit. <laughs> so am, gonna... Yes, it is some stupid shit from what yeah. I've learned. So they decide they're going to go take back the Holy Land. The Ottomans are like, well, fuck you. We're going to take over you. Now, mind you, the Ottomans had invaded prior to that because Muhammad told them to do it. So they took over parts of Spain. And yeah, they kind of did take over little parts of Croatia and that kind of area, but Pretty much when the Catholics decide they're going to take back the Holy Land, that's when the great fight kind of really gets As the resident Catholic, you're welcome. So to speak. Uh, <laughs> Dude, the whole start Catholic of the Crusades Florida. was wild. Hey, look, another one. Or where are these literally, <laughs> literally, the Pope tricked people into doing all the Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Huh. yeah. Oh, Pope Pius II, he tried. If we to... kill off the Muslims, if you fight and kill off Muslims, you get all your sins are forgiven and you go to heaven. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sounds like a good Welcome like to a the my favorite, my favorite crusade is when they get lost end up in Constantinople. <laughs> oh, like, yeah, we'll just fuck this thing up anyway. Shit, this is a good city. Let's oh, eat it. Didn't <laughs> or when they all got dysentery and shit themselves to the death. That was another good crusade. End up in Spain for a while. They did. So you have Maximilian the first of the Habsburg dynasty. He's the one who really took the Habsburgs and took, turned them into something pretty badass. He's the one who kind of coined the term we shall, uh, what was it again? Um, let let others use Venus, we shall, no, it's the other way around. I can't remember. Anyway, basically what he said was we'll oh. use marriage to conquer our territories. So I forget how, well, let Venus tell others, I can't remember, there's a whole quote. I'm sure somebody who's listening right now or watching right now will know it, but in the end, he used marriage to take over territories and Maximilian married his son into the Castiles. And then he married his daughter into the 
the last noble family to rule uh, Bohemia. Uh, I can't remember the, the name. last royal family to nah, uh, rule England, aka the queen that's still fucking alive somehow. <laughs> but in, yeah, in any case, so they he has to say that legally. <laughs> by the time his grandson Ferdinand II takes over, Ferdinand II, his family, the Habsburgs, now. We're talking like mm -hmm. 20 years after Maximilian's death. 20 years after Maximilian's death, his family controls Spain. They control Bohemia, the region around Prague. They control Austria. They control most of Northern Italy. They control Lombard, mm -hmm. well, parts of Lombardia. And yeah, they, it was all because of marriage. Let Venus give what they may to others. We shall, no, it's the other way around. Let, ah, I can't remember. It's gonna, I've been drinking so too much wine, but at some point I'll remember <laughs> the never, You never drink too much. I'll remember the quote at some point, but it's, yeah, it's pretty fascinating. It's basically mm -hmm. Maximilian's desire to be remembered throughout his, you know, after death. And what a hella cool, crazy king, man. He was the first one to bring the post here. So the post was uh, started by Maximilian to deliver mail between the city of Vienna all the way to Salzburg and then all the way over to uh, Prague. And he used heralds to do it. Court, uh, well, a herald was somebody who make an announcement for a king. So let's say Nick decided to tell everyone that lived under him in his empire that he shit in the woods next to a bonfire last night. <laughs> he would use a herald to do it. So that herald would go from town to town and be like, Doo -doo -doo -doo, your noble king Nick shot <laughs> in the woods after drinking a third of whiskey no, last night. Doo -doo -doo -doo. I don't have to poop, so I very well might have shat in the woods. <laughs> so this joke may be true. And so then that herald would ride on. That herald would ride on to the next town. But this is actually interesting. This is something you can tell somebody when you're drunk, Nick. What ends up happening next is Maximilian dies. His grandson Ferdinand takes over. He wants to expand the delivery of mail. He asked a family from Italy to help him. That family in Italy had delivered mail for the Pope, and they were called the Taxis family. And so they started delivering mail for the Pope, and then they started delivering mail for the Habsburgs. They eventually controlled most of the mail delivery systems within the Holy Roman Empire, and they wanted a noble title, so they married into the Turn family in the 17th century. So they're called the Turn and Taxis clan here. But they, I mean, they were very wealthy, very powerful, so they expanded all over. But they not only delivered mail, they delivered people from town to town. So Adam, what do you think Jeff did last night when he drove? I didn't home? drive. Did he call? <laughs> did he call a taxi? Oh, uh, his fiance. Oh. oh. No, yeah. motherfuckers. That's where the term comes from. Call a taxi from the taxis family because they drove people from town to town. Wow. All right, motherfucker. One last question. I gotta go. Oh. What do you want? I was just gonna wrap it up right here then do it um so thanks so much everyone for listening thanks jake for coming on our podcast jake do you have anything you want to plug about yourself no other than that i'm amazing okay fair and enough i i think we can agree on that i <laughs> was i i've known you for about a third as the rest of them um <laughs> i agree wait i got one more question I got one more glass of wine so you guys want to do one more question before the plug damn i you spilt like a quarter of it <laughs> that's for that's for his lady later uh <laughs> i don't know anyone got a question adam you got something for him uh 
Let right. me tell you. Perfect. One. This okay. works. Yeah. I don't know yeah. why, but all right. Yeah. You get us at noon on a Sunday. Apparently, we can't do our fucking job. <laughs> we <don't. All> right. <laughs> Nick, you're talking about Napoleon. One of the yes. craziest thing Napoleon did when he invaded the Holy Roman Empire is he brought one of his most famous laws with him. Okay. And that law was called secularism, which I'm sure you knew all about. Basically, I, I tell people, you're not going to tell it right, so let me tell people. That's a good Nick idea. Sucks, no, so. I agree. Yeah, you're going to fuck it up. <laughs> so, yeah, shh, shh, shh. so basically what secularism was, it basically told the Catholic Church they should be taking care of your soul and not your pocketbook. So they took away all the different industries of the church so they couldn't make money. They should be, you know, a spiritual so America took away not... their taxes. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of details to secularism, but that's kind of the foundations of it. When it hits Bavaria, what ends up happening? You remember earlier when I showed you that Paul and Iraq? Uh, Nick beer? wasn't here for that, so no. I was not here and for that, so that's Nick fine. doesn't have to listen. But in okay. any case, that rack of beer, Polliner and Augustiner and what else? Etal and Ondex, all these famous breweries that were monastically controlled, controlled by the Catholic Church, suddenly were gone. And one of the most famous is Augustine, controlled by the Augustiner monks, dedicated to St. Augustine, one of the four doctors of the Catholic Church. Augustiner opened their brewery door in 1328, and they are still the most popular brewery in the city of Munich. And they don't export and they don't advertise because they don't fucking have to. Well, one of the craziest things about them is in 1972, well, let's go back. Craziest things about them was when secularism occurs, Napoleon shows up and he sold the monastic brewery. The brewery was sold to the Josef Wagner family. So that's what the JW that is. Name sounds is. very familiar. So it gets better. Josef Wagner's family buys the brewery. And now let's move forward to 1972. In 1972, for tax purposes, because the Wagner family literally does not need money to do anything. In 1972, so they could make sure they kept making money and be happy. They took 49% of their brewery and they sold it for one fucking Deutschmark. One Deutschmark, which is what, at that time, 35 cents American. And they sold it to children's charities. So when you drink Augustiner, guys, which is what you're going to drink when you come to visit me, you'll be doing God's work. Nick will be so happy getting drunk always, for God. Uh, I, there's, there's a reason we drink wine, like honestly i what i did last night shooting in the woods was for god i did it for jesus <laughs> adam will have to wear a diaper when he comes to bavaria but we'll, we'll make fun of him yeah that's, that's fine. fine and uh nick will find you some toilet paper that you can carry around yes. and Jeff, i'll find you something that you can inhale it's not you know. yeah i have a problem <laughs> <laughs> i'm well aware so, so G jesus right, died guys. for our sins nick shit for him uh yes. thanks thanks so much jake for coming on do you anything that you want to plug nothing i want to say is uh if you guys ever do come to bavaria come and join us at all things garmish we have the best tours as far as day tours we can do brewery tours we can do trips to new schwanstein castle and of course munich salzburg innsbruck and you guys Perry do Kinsey, like ski trips right or like you were talking about that earlier yeah you got it. Or you can join us at Bavarian Beer Vacations, which is where we do our seven and 10 day signature packages, where we go to the Oktoberfest, where we have the best tables at every single amazing tent. 
And we do fun things like do air, hot air balloon rides, whiskey tastings. I know it's Bavaria, but we do have a single malt whiskey. And you can meet Arnold Schwarzenegger. You got it. And oh, Nick, you weren't here for that, favorite. but yes. Yeah. Arnold sits at this table. So <laughs> wild. <laughs> Arnold literally sits two tables away. He's an amazing guy. And then also, of course, we do our three country tour where we go and ski in three different countries. But I did leave out the one thing that we can talk about the next time we do this podcast, if you guys Always. want to, which is Krampus. Oh. Krampus. Ooh. That's going to be the first trip we're going to be selling on Bavarian Beer Vacations after COVID-19. We're going to go to Krampus this December 5th, 6th, and 7th, where we are literally going to be getting beaten by evil demons. So... <laughs> I call it vacation with fear. That sounds perfect because now we have a podcast set up for some time in November. <laughs> right before yeah. it happens. And possibly one right yeah. after it happens. It is. <laughs> you have to understand, it is the craziest event you can even fucking imagine. That's and I still have PTSD from Johnny <laughs> Calbells. So you <laughs> All right. Thanks Thank so you. much, Thank everyone, for, for listening to the Thank podcast. You. Thanks so much to Jake for coming Thank on. You. Um, all of our links are down in the description just click on our link tree you can become a patron with that first button and there you can join our discord you can get our video version of our podcast uh, and you get a lot of other cool stuff Uh, Taskmaster special, extra content fun things like that Um, thanks so much for listening everyone my name has been Javier (laughs) Gonzalez I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger, so. <laughs> I'm, uh... What was late. What, what, no, what's, you're what's late. The, what's, what's the chick's name again? Oh, you're late. Lola Montez. <laughs> I've been Chris Angel, and I... Are you going to be the Dairy Queen? <laughs> yeah. You'll be Dairy Queen? You'll be Dairy Queen? I would love to be Dairy Queen. I, I've been called Dairy Queen. Because you're fat. I have not. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. As Adam said it best, you give two to the ones you like, you give three to the ones that are royal. I'm three, baby. <laughs>found out last night uh i was walking around uh the party with an empty bottle of mead for an hour until i gave it to don and like hey hold this for me i'm gonna go pee he went to take a sip and it was empty (laughs) i had just been walking around with an empty bottle (laughs) for an hour yeah this man tried to convince me to buy mead like a week or two ago and i looked at the price i was like i'm not paying 32 dollars for a like small bottle of mead i was like i'll just go buy a bottle of whiskey and mix it with something and get just as drunk for less and then he had mead last night and i tried it i took a sip i'm like i'm so glad i didn't waste any money on this this is fucking (laughs) disgusting it's like sweet communion wine